So welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. Welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I'm Izzy. Let's get rolling. Honesty hour. I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. I'm super excited to be joined by Marina Sky today. Uh, she is doing such dope stuff. And every time I check her out on Instagram or her website or anything like that, it seems like she's doing something new and something exciting and something dope. Uh, we were introduced by our good friend Shanita, who will be a future guest of this podcast, but super excited to have you on today. Thanks for joining me. Hey, hi, everybody. Thank you so much for having me, Izzy. I'm so excited to be here. So for the people who don't know who you are, you want to give a little bit of an intro? Oh, man. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I am, I like to call myself a mood magician. Um, so I'm basically a set designer, a creative director, and an art director. Um, I build sets for music videos, photo shoots, TV shows, um, experiential events, and uh, concerts. Um, so I've, I did the set design for the Trap Music Museum um, in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I'm the art director and set designer for an artist named Jadena, who is under Janelle Monae's um, Wonderland Records and Epic. Um, I, creative. I'm just an, an all-around creative. I love that. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was this a dream of yours growing up? Like, where where did this come from? Did this kind of evolve into what you're doing today? Or uh, has this been a dream altogether? It definitely has been um, an evolution. I have always been creative. Creativity runs very deep in my family. My mom is a painter and um, a baker. My grandmother is um, a seamstress. I have generally just like a very... Um, hippie, creative, <laughs> Creole family. Um, so I've always been creative. I used to make my own clothes in high school and create mm. stuff. Um, but I didn't know that that was going to turn into set design. I didn't even know what set design was as a kid. Um, so it's definitely been an evolution of like figuring out what types of creativity um, kind of lay in the world and kind of finding my fit. For those people that are listening right now that don't know what they want to do just yet what's a what's an easy way to put what to describe what set design is so set design is to make a long story short the concept of creating um, visual experiences or recreating um, visual experiences for people um, on a show on a movie for a uh, broadway play um, anything that relates to entertainment um, and you know some type of reenactment, um, set design helps create the scene, paint the picture for that. What do you want to learn next? Like, what do you really want to get into next? So that is a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I think what makes a good creative is the the concept of forever learning, understanding that we are literally child of children of thought. Um, and we really, there's always so much to soak up, um, so much to, to learn. And so, um, but specifically in the creative world, I really want to get into um, high-end fashion shows. Um, there's a lot of time and effort and blood, sweat, and tears that are put into these like these Fenty shows or these um, Dior fashion shows um, that create these beautiful experiences. Um, and that's something I've, I have not done yet. So I'm interested in kind of playing in that world. So that's one thing. Um, and then I want to get more into live show. So um, I did the set design for um, Jadena's tour um, in 2000, well, obviously pre-COVID, so 2018, 19. Um, and that kind of opened up this like live show world to me before that I didn't even, I'd never done anything for tour. Um, but there is so much that goes into an experience created for a tour. So like and it, things you don't even pay attention to when you're in the stands, like watching the show, but like people have to create an artist has to create a show for one night in mm -hmm. Phoenix and then break it down after that and take it to another city. And they do that for months. And so it's very important to create these like sets that make sense for travel, but are also still captivating and beautiful to the eye. Mm -hmm. um, and so that kind of that like collaboration of, being practical um, with your team and what your team has to do every night. And then also making these beautiful sets was really cool to me. And so I want to start going back and I want to go back into that world as well. So now that the world is kind of starting to open back up and tours and festivals are, you know, landing their dates and announcing that they're coming back. Um, I want to get into that world. Do you go to school for this? Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> I wish. Oh my gosh, I'll be so much further along. <laughs> I am um, 100% self-taught. I actually awesome. went to school. Thank you. Um, it's been a lot of trial and error. <laughs> um, I actually went to school for public relations and Ooh. U.S. history. Where'd you go? I went to Clark Atlanta in Atlanta. Okay. Nice. An amazing HBCU. And... Um, and yes, I I had no idea what set design was. Um, I was a mass media major, and one of the prereqs was taking like theater um, and some um, theater classes. But that was basically the that was the extent of my set design education when I was in school. All of this came post college. Wow, a lot of free work and trial and error and a lot of free work. All right, let's get into free work really quick because <laughs> like free work free work is a is a hot subject with creatives. There's there's a lot of people looking for free work out of creatives, especially new creatives. Yeah. So you doing as much free work as you did, why was that so beneficial at the time? Like at, at least looking back at it now in a sense. So for many reasons, one it was um it really was a humbling experience because at that point, like I had to understand that nobody really needed me really 
for anything. Um, so the fact that they weren't paying me, like I had to still figure out how I was going to like pay my bills while still figuring out what avenue of like work I'm trying to be in. Um, so it was just like a very humbling part of my life. So that's like one piece. It was humbling. Um, and basically the, the kind of the story is I was doing marketing for Ikea when I graduated from college and, um, corporate wasn't necessarily something I, I didn't, I didn't want to stay in corporate, but it obviously was paying the bills. And um, so I was doing corporate for a, a while. And then um, my brother was actually shot and killed at Morehouse. Mm. And when that happened, um, it was really like a catapult for me and my life. And um, so, you know, people always say, you know, like when something tragic happens, you, you have this whole life is too short concept that kind of throws itself at you. But that really did happen to me. Um, and so when he passed away, I was kind of just sitting there like, what, what am I, what am I really going to do? Cause this isn't it. I know this is not a passion of mine. What do I want to do with my life? As I was kind of thinking that through, I wrote down a list of things that I knew I was good at. Um, not necessarily all passions, but things that I could do making money and I wouldn't hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those was fashion. So I started the clothing line um, and the clothing line was going very well. I had that for about a year and a half. And then as I was going to my trade shows, I started to realize that I was paying more attention to how I was making my booth look <laughs> Um to make it stand out from others as opposed to, you know, paying attention to the clothing I'm supposed to be selling to people. Um, and when that happened, I kind of took a deep dive into what that could be. And it was set design and creative direction. And literally, as soon as that happened, it was like a light bulb went out, went off. And like, God was telling me like, this is what I've been trying to show you this whole time. So from there, I did about a year and a half of free everything. I did not charge at all. And I think I did that because I didn't, because to your point, I didn't go to traditional school for this. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was figuring it out as I, as I went. Um, I personally felt like I couldn't charge people for me making mistakes and figuring it out on their dime. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was my personal perspective. And then for a long time, honestly, I loved it so much. I felt like I was robbing people if I charged them, which was something that I now talk to creatives about. And I realized at the time I thought I was my, my, I was by myself with that. Um, and I know a lot of creatives that have that self doubt um, mm-hmm. when they're first starting out and they're trying to figure out the chart, like the charging spectrum, how much to charge for their time. That was really, really difficult for me um, because I had so many um, I just had so much self-doubt. I didn't no. know what I was doing. I didn't have like a mentor kind of explaining to me the ropes of set design. And so I didn't feel like I, um, I could, I should charge people for me figuring it out on their project. So I did free stuff for a while, but every, every project I made sure was a step above the last um, so it gave me more visibility or it was with, you know, a bit, a slightly bigger um, artist or audience. Um, so I was still gaining some type of notoriety, even if I wasn't getting paid. And so after, after about a year and a, 
maybe a year and two months, I felt like I had enough projects um, in my Rolodex, in my portfolio to start charging people. Um, And that's what I did. But it took me personally that long to gain the self-confidence and the confidence in my work to make, to feel like it made sense to me. What uh, you, you talk about the, the pricing for creatives. It's mm-hmm. obviously a hot subject and it's yeah. new creatives. If you're not trying to, or you, you get to a point where you have the expertise to charge someone, mm-hmm. you don't know what that is just yet. You don't know that number. So if you can, what's that advice that you, you give to creatives about pricing themselves? Yeah. So I, what I did was, and because at the, like set design is a, it's like a, it's a really interesting niche, like part of the creative world to be in because typically set designers are on film. And when you're on a film, there's already an allocated budget for the entire film. And so the budget is basically given to you. You have to either accept it or you don't. Um, but because I'm an independent contractor, I had to figure out what to charge. Um, so I give my rates as opposed to, in essence, the rate kind of given being given to me, if that makes sense. So what I did was I wrote out every single thing that I wanted to do under this umbrella of set design slash creative direction. Um, and after I did that, I realized that my job is is really part interior design, part architecture, and part set designer, and part creative director. So I researched probably four to five companies of those four kind of legs of this business and figured out what other companies charged. So mm-hmm. I would research interior design companies in Atlanta and in LA. And um, and basically do cold calls, ask them what their rates are. I would create a spreadsheet and then figure out what the general, like, I guess what, you know, what the average price would be. Um, and I did that for all of the, the concepts that I feel like I do. So I did that for creative directors. I did that for interior designers. I did that for art directors um, and architects. And so once I did that, I could kind of, I had numbers to start with. And had to, then I figured out kind of where I feel like I land in all of that based upon the experience of the people that I researched um, in the location, because you also have to consider like whether what you're doing is in high demand in the location you're at. Um, so I took all of that into consideration when figuring out my pricing. So make a long story short, um, if I was to give a piece of advice Um, it would be to do the research. So if you are a photographer um, and you're looking to figure out, you know, your rate, your photography rates, I would look up the best photographers in your area, figure out their rates and then figure out the best photographers or your, the people that you aspire to be, figure out their rates. And then from there kind of figure out where you should land. Let's say you have a 18 year old sky in front of you. What Mm -hmm. advice are you giving her? Man, okay, what, where, where was I at 18? Let me, <laughs> let me think about that. <laughs> That's a really good question. I, I, honestly, I was, 
one of the things I would say is to make sure to relish in in the present, in the now. Because um, like kind of looking back, I realized that I, I'm like always thinking about what's next, the next step, the next process, the next project, mm. what, the next something. And I think with me thinking that way, I might have missed some really cool moments that I was a part of because I was thinking about what was happening next. So I would tell myself to just take a second to be to be present because um, you only have that second for that second and then it's gone, you know? What makes you strange on purpose? Ooh, I love that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have always, and my mom says this, we talk about it all the time, I've always been different. And I take that a step further and say strange um, because there are just like these like idiosyncrasies about me that I thought we're normal and then I have conversations with other people and they're like yeah that's that's kind of weird um (laughs) we still love you so it's fine but not everyone thinks that way (laughs) the way that my mind works about creating things makes me strange and the fact that that helps me be just like super creative has has made me comfortable enough that it is now on purpose so if somebody's listening, wants to get involved in your work, Sky, or really wants to get involved or, or reach out to you to, for maybe a little bit more advice or anything like that, how can people get in touch? How can people follow along in your journey? Um, so all of my everythings um, are basically the same. So set by Sky, set by Sky, if you want to look at my work um, or reach out via email, setbysky.com is my website. Um, setbysky at gmail is my um, email address and then if you just want to catch what I'm doing on socials my Instagram handle is also surprise setbysky within (laughs) (laughs) well I appreciate you jumping on the strange on purpose podcast and I look forward to meeting hopefully very soon definitely